1: Love Talk Radio. Oh man, zippity doo da zippity a, my oh my, it's a wonderful day. So I'm sitting here in the studio in a Zoom room with my wonderful person here, part of the K Factor because K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. And Richard Flint is something that leads to kindness, and he's not just a something. He's a someone, but it's some things are this amazing set of ideas and thoughts and programs and books and videos that he shares with us. So, Richard Flynn, how nice to see you again today. Thank you for coming.
0: Well, my pleasure to be back with you. So I have a question for you. Okay, doke Do you think or, or what's happening to kindness today?
1: Oh, boy. Well, it's transitioned from when I first started this show, people asking me if I would, if I was going to and if I would talk about random acts of kindness. And I said, well, that's kind of only part of the story. Intentional kindness is beautiful. Random acts of kindness almost make it seem accidental, which Okay, that's fine, and then we notice that's lovely. But what I'm noticing today more than ever is that there seems to be such a high frequency energetically across the country. I can't speak for the planet, but across our country, the United States of America, a high, a, a, a strong frequency. It's actually a low frequency, but such an intense frequency of anger and anguish and despair, and uncertainty, that kindness is not prevalent near to the degree that is true, authentic America. I think we're the kindest nation on the planet, but right now, not so much. There's people being aggressive, and there's people being fearful, and then there's people like you and I who are sitting here saying, wait. Wait, 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 wait. We need to regroup and do everything differently. And and we're, you and I are here inviting people in to something that we think that there's so a lack of. Would you agree?
0: Yes, uh, and I think that you know, I think that most people at the core of their being they are kind.
1: I I agree.
0: But. I think, you know, when you look at um, today that um, when you when you're kind when you're kind to people sometimes they look back at you with a suspicious look.
1: Oh yes.
0: Yeah, like what do you want? Why are you why are you doing this?
1: Yes. I agree one hundred percent. You must be too good to be true. And if you're too good to be true, that means that you're a fraud.
0: Yeah, what is it? Walks like a duck? Talks like a duck? Must be a duck?
1: Might be a goose.
0: Yeah. But do do you think that... um, One of the things that I'm noticing, Deb, is that uh, as the stress level within people increases, kindness diminishes.
1: It absolutely does. I agree with that 100% in terms of observation. I don't agree with it. As a as a healthy thing, I and I know you don't either. I'm I'm just clarifying for our listeners. I agree with you one hundred percent, and it is it is awful because we need kindness. We need human connection. When when we aren't kind to each other, trust drops really low.
0: And I and I agree with that. And so what do you? What do you think's killing kindness today? What's what's killing it?
1: Wow. That's a really exquisite question and I'll tell you, my mind is immediately flooded with imagery of media where people really are such role models. I do not believe there's a single person in the media far none who is truly sincerely aware of how incredibly powerful their role modeling is. And we see people in the media yelling over one another. And and I want to get my point in. I want to get my point in and talking over each other. And and that has led to an aggressiveness that people then pick up on. I've noticed it on, on phone calls. And I I have been thinking maybe it was the the lag time on cellular service, but it is a style that we've adapted. And basic kindness is don't interrupt. Right? I was taught that as a child.
0: Yeah, and uh, so what you're saying is that um, basic kindness is um, about being polite,
1: you know, it goes beyond polite because polite makes it sound superficial and with an artificiality to it. I was raised as a child. My mother raised me on Emily Post's Blue Book of Etiquette. Now, people will laugh, but really what she wanted to do was make social interaction within the home and outside of the home. Be so comfortable because everybody knew what to do. And, and volatility is the number one thing that we all dislike in one another. Like, I want to know when I'm going to see you every day or every week. I want to know that the the, the Richard Flint that I have come to know, like, and trust is going to show up. So if if angry, hostile, accusatory uh, Richard shows up intermittently, that volatility scares me. And I recoil. It doesn't allow for us to have any, any politeness in that, <laughs> any, anything that, that is, is a stable in that. Kindness is a certain gentility. And, and etiquette and politeness is a certain gentility. And with gentility, it's gentle. We give one another the space to talk. We take the time to look at each other. When I say, how are you today? I really mean it. How are you today? And when I say, I'm really happy to see you, I really mean it. And then I'm anticipating, how may I serve you? What can I do with you that will be kindness?
0: Do you think that a part of this also, this loss of kindness, is the result of the fact that we're not respectful with each other?
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: And I think that a big part of being kind to somebody is respecting them. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, it goes back, I think there's a couple of words here that play. Because uh, I think kindness also um, has diminished because we've become a very selfish group of people. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, you and I started this uh, last Tuesday when we were talking about what um, what young people are not being taught today. Oh,
1: yes.
0: And they're not being taught manners. No. It, it, I, it was a, probably six, seven years ago, my friend John Emmett and I, we were out in...
1: Um, I know him.
0: You, yeah, you know John. Uh, we were out... Uh, uh, we were in Palm Springs, California, and it was Valentine's Day. And we were out uh, playing golf. And so Valentine's night, we were in the restaurant... And we couldn't help it. We just got to watching these young couples, teenagers, young couples, uh, out on Valentine's date nights. And uh, it just got to be so interesting because uh, they would walk up to the door. He'd open the door and walk in in front of her.
1: Oh,
0: no. She was dressed to the hilt. He looked like maybe he had just stepped out of uh, anything but a fashion magazine. Oh, no. And John and I got to doing tick marks about how many times when they brought the check, the young lady paid the check,
1: huh?
0: the guy. And, you know, how uh, how disrespectful in some ways his be- his behavior was toward her. Uh, oh, you know, and it, 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 it comes back, is a real part of kindness, is a real part of learning to be respectful, uh, is a big part of this what uh, young people are either taught or not taught in the home?
1: I'll tell you a couple things. you want, you want to keep talking or do you want me to say something?
0: I want you to talk.
1: <laughs> we are very respectful. One another? I love that. You know, um, I was really surprised when doing uh, consulting in education across America, being called in because there were problems. Problems within faculty, problems between faculty and staff, problems between faculty, staff, and administration, problems with the students. And I came in, and I was amazed at how many of the educators were saying to me, we don't know what to do with these little kids in grade school or in junior high or in high school. The parents are sending them to us to teach them the manners. We expect the parents to send the children to us already knowing the manners. So when the children come to us and we're and we're we're directing them and guiding them, a lot of them have been taught, if the teacher's not nice to you, you come home and tell us and we're gonna lay down the law for that teacher. As opposed to when I was growing up, I was terrified. <laughs> if my teacher was gonna contact my parents, I was gonna be in trouble for something. Now I didn't get in trouble for anything big, but I did get in trouble a couple of times because I I loved daydreaming and so I would look out the window for a long period of time as I was, you know, then called back into this reality of the educator saying, "Miss Carlin, Deborah (laughs) Carlin, she might as well have been on a megaphone. And and, and I was terrified because my parents then would say, what are you doing? You're in school to do a job. You're there to learn. And you have to be respectful to your teacher. There's one teacher and, you know, Ten or fifteen kids in the room at that time, and so I was taught that. But there's this huge disconnect. But and 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 we're not, you know, with with two parents working in the family, and everybody getting up, crack a dawn, get dressed, hurry up, we got to get out of here, grab the breakfast, grab the lunch, let's scooch out the door, boom, we're on our way, and go to work, go to school, come home, late. Maybe have dinner, maybe not have dinner, watch TV, do homework. I'm telling you, Richard, there's tremendous family values that have been lost. People laugh at me when I say to them, when I make house calls sometimes, I will say to families, I know you're going to laugh, but have you ever seen the Waltons? I want you to go and Google the Waltons, and I don't care where you watch them, but that's a family, multi-generational, living together they're out in the country, they're not wealthy, they have a nice house that accommodates everybody. But you prepare and eat your meals together every day. You sit at a table, not at not at T V trays in front of the television, lined up on a couch. You sit at a table across from one another. You make eye contact. You pass food politely. You. you say, May I please thank you. You're welcome. May I please leave the table? You set you open up the, the meal with you know, some sort of a prayer or a toast, and then you do the dishes together. The the basic consideration, we've started running too fast and being too frenetic, Richard.
0: Well, you know, Deb, we we don't have a lot of homes anymore. We simply have houses where people gather. And, uh, you know, you talk about the Waltons. Uh, There were times when I was I would be doing uh, counseling when I was on the church staff with couples and with families. And I, I had a whole box of uh, Walton uh, CDs. <laughs> and I'd give them a the CD and say, you're assigned it before we meet next time, just to go look at these. And come back and tell me what you see.
1: Are we like from the same cloth or what? It's yeah. so funny.
0: And you know, the the TV show that's on Blue Bloods.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. The thing that makes that show so popular, and they keep coming back to this, is ninety-nine percent of the shows end with them having a family meal together. That's right,
1: multi-generational.
0: Yeah, and you know, have have we lost? Have we lost the connection of people?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, do do parents really know how to connect with their kids today?
1: No, uh, I'm stunned. And by the way, on that point, Richard, yes. And you are nailing it with everything that is in my heart and things that we've discussed. You know, <clears throat> I look at these, at these people who are rioting. I'm talking looters who are out there, and they're really rioting. People who, even if you call it a protest, too many of them are loud and screaming, even if they're not physically assaulting a building or a human being. The, the question that runs through my mind is, who are your parents? And where are they? And and what is it? What what is it that's going on here? Didn't anybody talk to you about any of this? Didn't anybody talk to you about having a constructive way to make your points and to do this differently? The answer seems to be no.
0: Yeah. Well, if you, I saw again this morning on TV, uh, early morning news. <laughs> uh, this, uh, I think, this was in Portland where they dragged this young guy out of his pickup. And they showed this mob of people beating him.
1: Unconscious.
0: Unconscious. And you know, I I, I I keep coming back. You know, first of all I have two questions. What's happening? Yeah. Okay. And why don't we confront this?
1: I know. I feel the exact same way. And <clears throat> guess who the news said was among the marchers? The leadership of the city and the state. Yep. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it right here on, you know, the air. Have you lost your mind? You're a leader. You never condone anybody raising their hand to another human being. I mean, it's one thing when the police is law enforcement. This is reckless abandon. This is called absolutely uncivilized.
0: Well, it's it's almost like we've we've lost any any concept of common sense. Uh, it's it's almost like what we've done is we've given into fear. And you know, I, won't, I I watched what was happening, and I guess question that kept going through my mind: Where were the police? Yeah. Where was law enforcement? But they've been told stay away. Okay. Have, have, we come, have we come to a place where we've made violence the rule? And that, you know, if I don't like you, I can punch you. I can beat you. No one's going to do anything. And what happens when you take, you, you allow mob rule to take over? I mean, what happens to, like the words we're talking about, what happens to kindness? What happens to respect? Um, and, you know, what happens when we allow people to be selfish? It was like the, the, lady, the, the lady the other day that said, the African-American lady who said, uh, you should give me your house. I deserve the right to have your house.
1: I saw that late at night. There was a mob out in front of private homes Mm -hmm. on the megaphone using horrible expletives. You have gentrified this neighborhood. I used to live here. I can't live here anymore. Now you give me your house and you get the bup up out of there. You're in there. You're comfortable. I want to be in there and be comfortable. I I don't know what you do with that other than you call the police because we know from the McCloskey's in St. Louis, Missouri, if you're armed and you open up your door and you step out of your front door and cross your threshold onto your front porch to protect your property, you can, you can get arrested. You can, you can be charged as opposed to the mob being charged. So you got to wait till they break down your front door and they're, they've crossed the threshold of your house. in today's world, I don't know that even that is going to make a difference. But there's okay. not one bit of kindness in this from our, from our leaderships around the country who are not sticking up for the loyal citizens who are saying, we love America and we love our brethren. Let's help people, yes. But when did we ever stop saying, let's help our people? We have been helping all of our people, every color. If there's one group who should really be angry at this point, except they're too tired and frail, it's our seniors who have been trapped in nursing homes and assisted living homes, held captive against their will because of a virus, not allowed to see their loved ones except through glass or plastic, and who else ought to be enraged are their offspring who are not allowed to see them. If my parents were alive during this, I would have gone and kidnapped them. I mean, Not against their will, but I would have gone and fetched them and brought them home. This is heinous. We've got people who are angry. What are you so angry about? What are you really so angry about? Because we've got a lot of black people who are saying, wait a second, I'm black too, and I don't feel this way. You guys are are missing the mark. You're missing something. And by the way, I'm saying and you're saying We want to help. Come to the table and sit and have dialogue. Please put down the skateboard instead of driving it over someone's head. Please leave the rocks over to the side. Please pee in the toilet, not in a bottle that you're going to freeze and come throw at us. Please come in peace and sit and talk. Say what the real concerns are. There's so much yelling and screaming. We don't know what their real concerns are.
0: So I know this real wise guy that put together three words one time uh, that simply say, behavior never lies. And what I do is when I, when I watch all of these, these people today that have evolved out of what was a, <clears throat> a, a rightful protest. Yes. But they've taken what was right and they've turned it into uh, a cause that is wrong. You know, they say one thing, but they do another. Yeah. You know, the, you know, you know. I believe that the essence of truth is not what someone says; it's what they do. Yeah. And as long as we give them permission, they will continue. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know, I mean, what what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong?
1: you know i i've been asking myself that for months because quite frankly 2019 ended on a real high we were flourishing stock market is way up we've got you know jobless is way down home values are stable the interest rates for purchasing real estate are incredible you know and and yet this virus comes in and people are insulated and incubated I don't know if, if evil forces organized during that time and took advantage of people who were frustrated I don't know if the people who were incubated and quarantined and on lockdown like all of us were if, if they just got so um, frustrated and angry with their circumstances I don't know, but I don't believe that it's what anyone has done wrong. People can point to George Floyd. People can point to Michael Brown. People can point to a lot of things. But if you're going to point, point in every direction. Don't be racist and say it's only black people who get killed under wrong circumstances. And don't say it's only black men. It's black children. It's black women. It's black men. It's Black teens, it's whites, it's Asians, it's Latinos, it's the elderly. We have children missing. My friends Joy and Roy Martina are on this massive campaign globally where they are exposing how many children go missing every single day. They're being trafficked. Wait a second. Why... Really? Seriously? I didn't know that. I knew some of it, but I didn't know that. There's plenty of things that we can get exercised about, but if we're out in the streets and we're screaming and smashing things, how are those children getting rescued? If you're, if you're out there doing the riots and you're, and you're tearing down the cities, how are you getting rescued? I mean, I'm waiting for the statistics to come out about the condition of the health of the people who have been living on the streets rioting. There's no way that they're safe. I'm worried about their sleep. I'm worried about their nutrition. I'm worried about their cardiovascular system. You can't have that much rage and not pay a price for it. So it's a matter of time. So we really need to tell people, come and sit and talk. Because they're going to implode beyond what we're watching them explode
0: yeah and it comes back to what's happening in our society because you know we talk about anger we talk about the anxiousness of people and what we're doing is we're just the stress level in people on both sides yeah it's just had a um it's not a breaking point
1: yeah
0: it is and you know i think a lot of the anger uh is being contained but you can only contain it so long there's that that silent majority out there and i think that silent majority does exist that is you know they're angry about what's happening to this nation they're angry about the lack of leadership they're angry that you know uh, no one wants to confront this they're they're angry about the way that the the law enforcement today is being de- you know, habilitized and it's it's just something something has got to break there.
1: I know. <clears throat> well I think about that. And you know, I get I get very creative in my thinking wondering what is it that we can do. I, I would like to actually hear the story about why that guy who was driving his, his vehicle through that part of town you know, what was going on in his mind? What was his intention going there? Uh, or did he have one? And, um, you know, I think about um, working with the police department. I, I, you know, when Ferguson was happening, I wanted to go into Ferguson and meet with the police and meet with the, the rioters and sit down with a core group of what was the leadership there. And I knew I couldn't because of the discrimination towards me is as a, as a demographic that is seen as the enemy, I'm not anybody's enemy. The, the thing that I look at with this right now is we don't even have a way for the police. I don't think in, in I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen little clips and vignettes of things where police and rioters get together, and, you know, there's a hug exchange. But I don't know if those are true rioters or if those are people who are trying to protest and break up the rioting. I don't know. But I don't know, and I don't like being in a position of not knowing. But, Richard, I don't know what to tell our audience to do. You know, I'm kind of tired of hearing myself saying, well, you got to start with yourself and have your mindset be right. Because I'll tell you what, I start with myself and my mindset is right. But when I have to go into an area where I feel threatened, I recoil and I don't go. Now, what am I teaching the people who are holding our cities hostage?
0: Well, but the, the question is, you know, if, if you look at everything, which set of behaviors are being supported today? The the behavior of people who really are serious, and you know, they they really would like to see improvement in race relationships. Are the behavior of those who have taken this and are using it? Uh, as a platform which is a lie. Yeah. But they're using it for their own their own cause which is to be destructive.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and which is getting the greatest attention today?
1: The latter of the two.
0: So if they're the ones that's getting the attention then does that really say that black lives matter?
1: No. No, it's saying Their power base is what matters, and I'm going to use you.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know, they're commercial on TV, and it it makes the hair stand up on the back of my head every time I see it, but uh, it says all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: You know what? It just makes the hair on the back of my head stand up. Uh, You know, because I matter. I'm not a racist person. But I am a person who stands up toward injustice. Yes. And, you know, if you pull someone out of a car because he stopped at a 7-Eleven to get something and there was a group of people that were uh, verbally attacking this uh, transgender person and he spoke up and he got back in his car to drive off and they started chasing him. And, you know, the whole thing, when you look at it, he didn't fight back. And they just, you know, they just kept attacking him. And, you know, you and I both know, because we work in this world, anger is a dangerous emotion if it's not controlled.
1: Absolutely.
0: And anger always has a starting point. Yeah. And I I think what happens is that some uh, parts of our society, have you know been taught and they're being taught that um, you know you you're inferior you're 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 not a you're not a good person yes. uh, you're being used
1: yes exactly exactly Richard you speak to a brilliant point and and I've been wondering this in in the in the sundry of my concerns about the people who are white and black who are coming out and pummeling people and and being so aggressive Um, I'm wondering what are you doing to get yourself ready for that you know because every team gets themselves ready you know before Sam's or Costco's opens they used to have a huddle team team go football games you know same thing huddle huddle what does that huddle look like what are they doing I want to know what drugs are being floated. I want to know what foods are being consumed. I want to know what chance there are. I want to know I want to know all of that and and I don't want to experience it. I just want to know it because I would like for these people to understand there's another way you know one of the things that 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 I've said in bringing the k factor onto a platform is kindness is actually the real currency of the world because with kindness that's genuine you can help anything happen you can facilitate anything happening without kindness it's much harder to be heard it's it's much more difficult for anybody to want to listen to you because when you're screaming people recoil and when you're speaking with kindness, you're speaking in a frequency that's calming, that's invitational, that invites people in. And so the currency has got to change. I mean, the currency for these these people who are aggressive, I, I woke up the very first morning after seeing what was happening, and, and, I, and, I, and I looked at it and I thought, that news is wrong. This is like Beirut. This is like the bombings in the Middle East. This is not in America. We don't have this in America. You know, one of the most unkind things we did was we closed down institutions that took care of the mentally ill. Of course they needed reform, but they were in the process of reform. And there were people who were deinstitutionalized, I know, because I worked with them, who were terrified, crying, please don't make us go, this is home, we're all together here, you're here. I know. Politics, it's been mandated. And then this country wonders, where do all these street people come from? These are executives that work? Uh, No, maybe few. These are people who need our tender, loving care. If we're a humanitarian society, then we take care of our fragile. And people who are deeply mentally ill are fragile, and they need our care and our protection. So why shouldn't we have them be in a lovely place that is love-filled, that is filled with kindness? And we help them, but we don't turn them loose on the streets to try to function for themselves.
0: Okay, Dad, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my foot in my mouth here, okay? Oh, <clears throat> please. And I'm because in my heart of hearts, yes, I believe that there are three things that are fostering uh, this uh, riotous society. Okay. Number one, we've been talking about the lack of of home, the lack of family yep you know not just a home but the the lack of family where and you talked about it a minute ago where uh, you know you've got families that um, both have to work right. and both are working 40hour jobs yeah and they they've got children yeah. and these latchkey kids today that you know they they come home after school there's really not parental guidance there you know, yeah, and right. uh you know, they watch T V, they play their video games, no one monitors the video games that they play. Right. And you know, I, I get asked this on several fronts, well, what do you expect me to do? We've gotta make we gotta make a living. But is it possible that uh um, we've changed the definition to what we need to what we want?
1: Thank you.
0: And what we're doing is, is so many are living beyond their means.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's, you know, it's not a choice. Uh, they they have to work or they have to uh, change their lifestyle. Right. And, you know, when you've got two people that are working, both are working 40 hours a week, they come home and they're tired. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know children take attention. Yep. And so they're, In so many ways, they're providing things, but they're not providing the emotions that are more important than things.
1: I agree.
0: Okay? And then I think the second thing that that is really fostering this uh, is the educational system today and how over a period of years we have put, and it's, it's, used to be just at the university level but it's in high school today too. We put these radical people in front of these minds.
1: Yeah.
0: And these these minds they're you know even in college they're impressionable.
1: Very much so. And
0: they don't know what they believe because we don't te- teach beliefs anymore. We we teach we teach opinions and my opinion is right. So you've got so many of these radical professors right that are, are Marxist, they're socialists, they're communist at heart and they're just they're just pouring all of this into these young minds today
1: yeah
0: and you put the, the home and the education, which what I think is the third part of this equation and that is that we've created and you and I talked about this last week, we put together a society of young people that's used to having anything and everything that they want. Right.
1: Very much. And so. That,
0: they're never wrong. Yeah. I mean, I can remember when I was on the church staff and I, if a young person, uh, the age of 16 or below was taken into the County jail, I was the first person that was called other than their parents. And I'd go and talk to them. And the number of times I'd sit in that cell and I would talked to these young people and they just looked at me and laugh and say, it's no big deal. Dad yeah. will get me out of this. Right out. Oh. And yeah. if there's no consequences for behavior, right. then how do you define right and wrong?
1: You don't. You absolutely don't. It's completely absent. And I, you didn't put your foot in your mouth at all. You laid something on the table that, is, in my in my opinion, is is absolutely right on, spot on, wrong. <laughs> we can't. You know, first of all. If you look at brainwashing and how it is that we interrogate people or get them ready for interrogation, isolate them. Isolate them. Get them away from the people who are their main influences. So my parents actually never really liked the idea of going away to college because they knew the influence that we'd all be under. So we all went to college pretty close to home, and I was a pretty rebellious kid pretty rebellious teenager I didn't do horrible things but you know being a rebellious teenager is kind of what adolescence is about you're trying to figure out your identity but my parents were not interested in being my friends and when I hear parents tell me that they you know their kid is their best friend your child is five no they are not they might be your amusement but they are not your best friend I mean are they helping you? Give me a break! That's insanity. When when parents tell me that their kids are good to them when they're adolescents and adults, that's beautiful, Uh, wonderful. But there is a hierarchy in this world, and the hierarchical structure is there for our honor and for our safety and for our learning. The book written by the poem. By Dorothy Law Nolte, children learn what they live is an absolute truth. There's no denying it. And when children are brought into the world, parents owe their child everything. You teach your child what they owe you back. But if what you do is you set things in motion that you want to have a family and I've gone under fire for this for decades. Oh, you don't know what it's like. Well, people don't know my whole story, so they don't know what I know. But I'm telling you, and you and I both know this as doctors of psychology, you cannot have a child or a puppy or a kitty cat and leave that little baby either alone or in the hands of strangers and have very high expectations. You just can't do that. And when a child is left in the care of another and made to feel secondary to the people who are supposedly there to give them unconditional love, unconditional love can't, behavior says it all, just as you said, behavior says it all. Their value, their self-esteem, their self-confidence, their self-image, their self-worth is just plummeted. And then, out of guilt, swells a little bit of pride. Those ridiculously expensive two hundred dollars sneakers. Okay, we'll work a little harder to provide that for you. No, just sit you know, down with your child.
0: Ah, but that takes that takes time. Yeah, I know. And you know, it's like I, I've had so many mothers that have talked to me about the fact uh, I can't be everything.
1: Right. You know, Listen to your
0: own words. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't be everything. And then the number of single family.
1: Single you know, parents. Homes.
0: Yeah, yeah, single parent homes.
1: Very rugged.
0: And I've got some couples I'm working with right now that, I mean, the real issue is that the, the issue is the lack of resolution between the the two X's, but yeah. the children get put in the middle and the children are used as pawns. And so their whole concept of home or love is so screwed. Yeah. You know, and I wrote this down as you were talking, uh, can a lack of consequences make a wrong appear right? Oh,
1: absolutely. Cause where
0: are and you going to,
1: where are you going to learn?
0: Yeah, is that part of our challenge today? It that is. there are no consequences to our behavior?
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that, you know, we've we've been an, a nation that lived with a a pretty clear definition of right or wrong. And I'm gonna come back to my to my foundation, but my theological training tells me that when you start taking God out of the core of life and family, you you take away the difference between right and wrong.
1: Yeah. And,
0: you know, if if you owe me, if I feel you owe me, uh, then my feelings are right and you're wrong. Uh, you, were, you were mentioned in a book, there's two books I went back and reread recently. One is entitled The Hurried Child.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and how what we've done is we're taking kids today and we're allowing them to miss childhood and we're, we're pushing them to become adults when they don't even know what it is to be a child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've taken away their social skills. Uh, We've taken away a definition to fun. I mean, you just constantly look at the, the suicide rate among kids uh, and it, it just, and it just keeps growing
1: horrifyingly.
0: Yep. yep. We push it aside. Uh, and I, I, you know, and again, uh, it, it's things that I think a lot about and that every time we label a child, we do some damage to that child. I know.
1: I agree. I agree. I agree a hundred percent when when people call me and they tell me that their child is in trouble and they want to put him into therapy, what I say is, how about if we have conversation? Because I don't do therapy. I'm not a clinical therapist. I, don't, I do not do that. But I'm an expert in the human condition. I understand child development. I've taught it for decades, human development, you know, from from womb to tomb. And, and if you put your child in therapy and you have insurance paid for it, your child has got a life record with a diagnosis. And if you don't think that that's going to travel with them forever into jobs, into insurance, into all kinds of doors opening, and then the stigma, it is a stigma. That, you know, we, we, we want to label people. I Don't you have people come to you all the time and they will tell you what they've diagnosed their sister in law at, their husband, their. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you have? Yeah, they've, been,
0: they've been on the internet and they've looked up, uh, you know, the web doctors and right. they, they Google all of this stuff and, you know, it lists symptoms and they go, well, that's exactly what they're like.
1: Yeah, right. You know,
0: and then how quick we are today to give people emotional-altering drugs.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Even children.
1: Yeah. And we don't know no, the impact want- of adult drugs on pediatric cases. Gosh darn it, you froze there, Richard. This is going to be the theme of our show, frozen in time. <laughs> frozen in space this is so awful i just hate this for us oh gosh darn it richard (laughs) i can't hear him and i can't see him i wonder if he knows that he's frozen i'm gonna have to this is really this is so awful um uh, now he left the zoom room And he is going to try to re-enter to see if he can come in unfrozen. So, friends, here's one of the things I want to tell you, seriously, from the middle of my heart. And I know Richard Flint very well. This is not about a blame game. This is about a let's take a look at it and come to answers, but in peace, really, seriously. The violence needs to be called to a halt. If you have been violated, you know, if you're a perpetrator, if you're if you're a person who's watching this and thinking, well, what do I know? You know, what do I, Dr. Deb Carlin, know about you? I'll tell you what I know. No matter who you are and what you've done, you're still a person. You're still a human being. You still have blood running through your veins, and you get offended and hurt. You know how to feel joy. And if you're angry and outdoing riots, and if you're one of the people that I see in these videos on the news, I know that there's a lack of happiness and settled in your heart. We want to help. That's what our show is about. Ding dong. (laughs) Hey,
0: there you are.
1: (laughs) You froze. Now put your video on because you're a photograph. You there know, we go. I, that, what I said to our audience, when you were gone, is I said, "This is
0: what we're going to be famous for: the taxi <laughs> show." <laughs> but can I just can I just put this out there because um, totally. I've got about five yeah, I've got about have, five more minutes? Know, t- totally go. Wow. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking and I'm, I'm making notes as you and I are talking because I think we're talking about what I think are some of the most important things that there are in our nation today. I and do that's to get back to where we really start seeking to understand what it means to be kind to each other. I agree. Because I, I think anger is replacing kindness. Yeah. And if I'm kind and I get anger back, it really creates a fear of being kind within me. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? I withdraw within my own little world and I, I'm fearful of trying to be polite to be kind yeah. because I don't know what's going to happen. But I wrote this down while we were talking that what for me, the role of what a parent is, first of all, is to provide love and acceptance. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Second, it's uh, to teach respect for life and other people. Yeah. Uh, third, to, uh, to, Teach about attitude. What, you know, what is the right attitude? How do I, how do I look at Deb? How do, how can I look at Deb and disagree with her and say, well, she just closed mine and she doesn't want to talk to me. When in reality, it's my attitude that's directing everything. Yeah. Uh, the role of a parent is also to educate kids. You know, we were talking about the lack of being respectful, the lack of being polite. Uh, right.
1: The,
0: the lack of knowing how to treat each other. Yeah. Uh, and then to notice a child at the level of what we want them to learn about life and about love. Yeah. Uh, and then parents is to, is to teach, prepare kids for life. A lot of these kids today are just not prepared for life. And that's why we've got this whole generation, and not all of them, but a big part uh, of spoiled brats.
1: We really we we have we've got so much good out here but we've got so much aggression that has taken our attention that it's just it's horrifying to watch. And and across the board I think that America is 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 somewhat lost in and I see it in so many different directions that we'll talk about next week when we come back here. But Richard Plan. I know, like, and trust you, and I absolutely cherish that we are doing this series together. I think it's so important. We really need to push it out there in our marketing and make sure that we get a really broad base dialing in and communicating back with us. You know, we've got to get more exposure for our messaging because we need to help people now.
0: Deb, there are four characteristics of a person that's lost. Yes. They lack a clear direction for their life. Yes. We're seeing that today.
1: Yeah, we are.
0: They're organized for crisis and chaos.
1: Yeah.
0: We're seeing that. Yeah. They stare at what is wrong rather than what they need to improve. Yeah. And then they don't think. Yeah. They react.
1: Yeah.
0: And when I take those four things and I look at what's happening today, your, your observation is absolutely correct. We're living in a society where people are lost. And there is an element of society that says, hey, let's take these lost people and let's give them our purpose because we'll make them feel valuable. We'll make them feel accepted.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. You're 100% right. You know, the gangs that have come in to be are replacements for the families.
0: Absolutely, and that's what they're using to recruit these young people today. They give them a definition of love and acceptance.
1: Right, at a very high cost. Yep. On that note, as we head off of here, I want to leave this on and upbeat. Is that the one you want? (laughs) Alexa, turn yourself off. (laughs) You can turn me off in settings. (laughs) I, I, want, I want to leave us on a high note. The high note is that we are here to illuminate, to get you thinking, not to leave you down in the dumps and depressed, but to know that you've got two people here who are expert in the human behavior, who are of deep faith, who love very openly. And we want to help. That's why we're here. So Richard Flint and Deb Carlin are right here every week. We might we might get hooked and be here more often. As our sense of urgency increases, we'll just take it one day at a time. But thank you for being here with us. And Richard, thank you so much for sharing. It's so refreshing every time we talk.
0: Well, thank you for letting me do this. And you know, again, if if uh, for me, and I know the same thing true for you. If you're if those who are listening have any questions or comments, uh, they can reach me at richard at richardflint dot com. And uh, we. We would love to learn more about what you think, about what we think, to see if our thinking is right thinking or are we thinking in the wrong direction. (laughs) All right.
1: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here
1: today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We
0: were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.